0: This is Art Matters. I'm Farron Gibson. This podcast is produced by Art UK, the online home of the UK's public art collections. Explore art, stories, and more at ArtUK.org. That's also where you'll find the written version of these episodes with images from each discussion. You can also follow me on social media at Farron Gibson and find Art UK at ArtUK.org, spelling out the word dot. One important element of a film to help give a sense of time and place are the costumes. Fashions worn by characters can set the tone for the movie, and that's why the role of the costume designer is key.
1: When designing a period film, costume designers are not only designing clothing in service to the script and the story, which is of course important, but they are really working to fulfill the director's vision as well as their own. That's Raisa
0: Bertanya, fashion historian, lecturer, and presenter for the Glamour Magazine video series,
1: would they wear that? They have to take into account the comfort of their actor, their actor's preferences, but also you always, always, always have to consider who your audience is. And so many costume designers have to cater to contemporary tastes uh, and kind of rectify that with the realities of the historical clothing. Costume design is a particularly
0: important factor for period films to help convey the right setting. When we hear of a period film or book, we often think of stories set long ago, perhaps something by Jane Austen or Dickens. In reality, this label can apply to films from any historical period, including
1: the recent past. When you hear the term period film, of course, you're transported centuries back to these sumptuous worlds. But there are a lot of television shows and films that take place in the later 20th century. And uh, even the recent film Hustlers, which takes place in the early 2000s, that is considered a period film in a sense.
0: Depending on the time period, a costume designer will have different primary sources they can
1: look to for information about fashion. This is when art can become a really useful aid. the 18th century, you can look at paintings. If you're doing Elizabethan, you're solely relying on paintings because not much survives from that time period. Whereas if you're doing 19th century, you will be looking at extant garments. And, you know, once you're working later into the later 19th century, 20th century, then photographs become really important as well.
0: For those garments where you're looking at paintings, how are you knowing the undergarments that go into supporting some of these dresses? Do you know what I mean? Like, some of them have layers and layers of things.
1: So, one blessing with paintings is that, you know, paintings don't always depict, like, you know, the pomp of a royal portrait. If you look at genre paintings, you can often find paintings of people getting dressed but also illustrations and, you know, just in different publications that can often inform what the undergarments look like. A
0: 19th century painting on the Art UK website titled Farm Girl at Her Toilet, Lacing Her Corset is an example of a genre painting that offers insight into the dressing process. It shows a young lady dressing in a cluttered barn. Interestingly, the scene originally included a cockerel standing near the foot of the bed, which the artist later painted out. Cockerels can symbolize lust, and its inclusion would have added a different context to this painting. In this episode, we're going to look at three period films that take different approaches to costume design and see how art has informed the stylistic choices in each. First, let's look at James Atchison's designs for the 1988 film Dangerous Liaisons, for which he won an Academy Award
1: starring Glenn Close, and her character in particular seems to be very closely based, at least in appearance, on Madame de Pompadour. And we can see that in several paintings, which are very obviously the points of inspiration for her costumes. One of
0: the dresses Glenn Close wears in the film appears to be inspired by a painting of Madame de Pompadour by Francois Boucher found in the Wallace Collection. She was quite the socialite and fashionista in the French court, so it makes sense that she might serve as inspiration for Clovis's character, who has similar traits.
1: There are very similar aspects of the dress, especially in the coloring, but also just in the manner of trimming. You see on the upper half the bodice, there's the center panel called the stomacher, and there's a technique called a shell that consists of rows of ribbons going down the center Of the stomacher. And you can see that very prominently both in the painting and in Glenn Close's costume, but also the trimming that goes down the front of the robe à la française. This is definitely a film that prioritizes authenticity. And we see that at the very opening of the film, they start with a scene of her character getting dressed. And this is a common trope in period film, because it helps to set the scene, it helps to give the audience a clue into the world that these characters live in. But especially in this case, you see her donning every layer of undergarment, so that, you know, by the time she's fully dressed, and you get your first speaking lines, you understand that this is a world in which authenticity is key.
0: Considering all of the elaborate details and thought that goes into creating these costumes, do you ever wonder what happens
1: to the clothes after shooting wraps? You might be surprised. In an ideal world, you do want to design all of your costumes from scratch. But period films, as you can imagine, are very, very, very expensive to produce. And so especially when it comes to your background actors or even supporting characters, you have to make concessions. And so a lot of what happens is these costumes worn by leading ladies in previous films go to a rental house and you end up renting a costume that has been worn from another movie. So it's really interesting to kind of like trace the history of a single garment. For example, you see Judy Garland's costume from Meet Me in St. Louis appear on an extra in Hello Dolly decades later.
0: Now let's look at the 2020 version of Emma based on Jane Austen's novel of the same name. The story is set in the Regency era, and it takes an accurate but
1: flexible approach to its costuming. Emma is totally sumptuous, totally stylized. It's this like a macaron cream puff world. And the costumes, you know, fit perfectly within this environment. So, of course, there is this level of heightened artificiality about it. But the interesting thing is that a couple of Emma's costumes particularly can be directly traced back to extant garments in UK museum collections. And that really lends an air of authenticity to the film as a whole.
0: One of the garments Rice is referring to can be found in the VNA collection and dates to around 1810. Having extant examples to work from certainly helps to create an authentic design, but that doesn't mean that costume designers aren't also consulting
1: paintings and illustrations for inspiration as well. As a fashion historian and as a costume designer, you have to look at all of these sources holistically because you get different information from each source. So whereas you look at an extant garment to understand the proportion and the fit and the textile and the manner of embellishment, you can't get information about styling from the extant garments. So that's where you have to go to either paintings or fashion plates, which are hugely important when it comes to researching this time period, because uh, this is what people were looking at to see what was in style and to see what the fashionable ideal was. So it's from these images that you're able to find out, you know, what is the appropriate shawl to wear with this or what hairstyle would go with it. So you kind of have to look at all of the sources in Harmony.
0: Several Jane Austen stories include a scene with a tense exchange between the romantic leads at a dance. A painting by Rolinda Sharples titled The Cloak Room, Clifton Assembly Rooms, offers an example of what some of these events would have looked like and the fashions of the attendees. You'll notice the women in the painting are wearing short-sleeved gowns with long gloves. Details as seemingly small as sleeve length can reveal
1: more about the setting than one might initially think. Aside from, you know, obviously serving the overall aesthetic quality of the film, the costume designer Alexandra Byrne, who, you know, has done many, many period films, even uh, other Jane Austen films, um, in interviews, she does say that, you know, any departure that she makes from historical accuracy is not out of ignorance. It's a creative, conscious choice. And we see that in the way that the film ignores the rules of dress of the early 19th century. Um, And you see this throughout. So during the early 19th century, there were very specific rules of dress. And this is what we call time of day dressing. There are garments that are appropriate for the morning, for the afternoon, and for the evening. And this is largely dictated by the sleeve length and the height of the neckline. So during the day, you always wore long sleeves. You always had your chest covered. And so those short sleeve dresses were really reserved for evening wear. And it's interesting because in watching Emma, you see her wearing short-sleeved dresses, you know, at all times of day throughout the film. And it's something that, of course, contemporary audiences don't pick up on because they're not accustomed to those social wars. So that in and of itself is a departure from historical accuracy, but not one that detracts from the film. While the
0: garments are historically accurate in Emma, the costume designer plays with the rules of dress to suit the needs of the film. Choices like this might be made to align with contemporary tastes, highlight certain characters, accommodate the aesthetic vision of the director, or any number of other factors. In an era of film remakes, sometimes these costume choices are some of the factors that help distinguish a film from its predecessors. Jacqueline Duran was the costume designer for the 2012 version of Anna Karenina, and her interesting approach to the fashions of 19th century Russia earned her an Academy Award for costume design.
1: The costumes are In essence, the epitome of costume design, in my opinion, in that she worked very creatively to capture the essence of a time period without being trapped by the minutiae of it. For this adaptation, which is kind of set in this theatrical world, so it all takes place kind of within a theater, even though clearly that's that's not the story. The story takes place all over. At the very beginning of the film, you see that it is set in Imperial Russia, 1874. So there's no confusion. It's not up to the costumes to set the scene. We know what the scene is. And so that kind of frees the costume designer to be more creative, more fluid with their design, because it's not up to them to maintain the Essence of this world. Famously, what Jacqueline Duran did for this film was she combined this Victorian silhouette with that of the mid 20th century. So you see the silhouette from the 1870s, which is actually, if we're talking true 1870s garments, it was a period of transition out of the cage crinoline and into the bustle. So we're talking very full skirts, but that fullness is starting to shift towards the back. And so that is very distinctive of the time period. To see examples of this 1870s style, we can look at a painting by
0: Pierre-Auguste Renoir titled La Parisienne, which was shown in the first Impressionist exhibition in 1874 and is now in the National Museum Wales Collection. Renoir's mother was a seamstress, and his father was a tailor, and his exposure to garment construction comes across in his deft execution of the dress. The skirt has a large bustle to the back, and the shade of blue he uses was a popular color shown in the fashion magazines of the period. The Met Museum has a dress in their collection made in the same year as Renoir's painting, which is a similar style and color. These each resemble an indigo ensemble Karen Knightley wears in her
1: role as Anna Karenina. But the costume designer updates the look with 20th century flair. If you think of the mid-20th century, so the golden age of couture, the 1950s, this is right after Dior's new look hit the scene in February of 1947. The irony is the new look is actually an old look. Again, the golden age of couture, it's really rooted in 19th century ideals of these very, very tightly fitted bodices and very full skirts. So it's easy to see a visual correlation between the two time periods. And, you know, this wasn't lost on, on the designer because she exploited it. And, you know, it served the the aesthetic well, because the whole aesthetic of the film is kind of this timeless sumptuous, aesthetically satisfying world.
0: When the time period of a film is set closer to the present, costume designers are also able to consult photographs for inspiration, particularly in cases where the people being portrayed are historical figures.
1: Like a movie like Jackie or films that are very rooted in specific historical events that are well documented, then you're kind of obligated to recreate that scene. Whereas with Anna Karenina, with Emma, with Dangerous Liaisons, these are all fictional stories. And so you do have a little bit of room to play. Of course, it depends how specific your author was. Jane Austen was very descriptive in her writing. So you you know do have to kind of be faithful to that in Anna Karenina when she comes in wearing the black dress. It is a very important point in the novel. And so as a costume designer, you're obligated to um, live up to this description.
0: So much of our visual understanding of history comes from art, which is one of my favorite reasons to study art history. It's how we know the way historical figures and places looked, how people used items in context and so much more. It's no wonder that art history also can play an important role in costume design.
1: Just speaking from personal experience, I actually did my undergraduate degree in costume design and you do have to take some costume history. But when I did my master's degree in fashion history, I was required to take extensive art history courses because fashion history is so closely tied to social history and the history of design and aesthetics. You really have to be a well-rounded scholar to understand the context in which these clothes exist.
0: That's it for this episode. If you'd like to see images from our discussion, head over to artuk.org. I'll also include a link to Rice's website where you can find out more about her work as a fashion historian. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to leave a review of this series on Apple Podcasts if you have a moment, and join us again next time.